a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CDDN headquarters here in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Guan Xin coming up on the program. Strong ties, Chinese President Xi Jinping wraps up successful state visit to Vietnam, forging stronger bilateral relations. Policy shifts, the U.S. Federal Reserve maintains status quo on interest rates, signaling potential change in policy next year. And climate deal, the COP28 climate conference concludes in Dubai, marking historic breakthroughs in the global fight against climate change. Chinese President Xi Jinping has returned to China after wrapping up his two-day state visit to Vietnam. On Wednesday, he met with top Vietnamese leaders and youth groups, as well as other notable figures. He also paid homage at the Ho Chi Minh Mausoleum in Hanoi. And Zhang Dan has more. In talks with Vietnamese President Vo Vong Thuong, President Xi Jinping said China and Vietnam should join hands to build a China-Vietnam community with a shared future that carries strategic significance. To achieve that, Xi put forward six major goals, which include greater political mutual trust, more substantive security cooperation, deeper practical cooperation, more solid popular foundation, closer multilateral coordination and collaboration, and more proper management of differences. Xi Jinping also urged the leadership of the two parties and countries to continue to maintain in-depth strategic communication through flexible ways and jointly improve the modernization of the system and capacity for governance to better serve the development of their respective countries. He added that the CPC and the CPV need to safeguard the security of the political system and defend the cause of socialism to enhance solidarity and coordination. He said the two sides need to strengthen top-level cooperation, ensure the synergy of the Belt and Road Initiative and the two corridors and one economic circle strategy, speed up infrastructure connectivity and enhance cooperation in digital economy and grain technology. Xi Jinping said China and Vietnam should take a systematic approach to boost people-to-people exchange. He also encouraged the two countries to manage their differences and find long-term solutions to maritime issues. President Vo Vong Thuong said the Vietnamese side will strengthen experience exchange in party and state governance, comprehensively advance practical cooperation in various fields, uphold national political security, and facilitate industrialization and modernization. He added that Vietnam stands ready to properly address maritime differences under the spirit of mutual respect and win-win cooperation. President Xi Jinping also met with Vietnamese Prime Minister Pha Minh Chen in Hanoi. He called on both sides to be alert to and oppose any attempts to disrupt the Asia-Pacific region, strengthen coordination and cooperation in international affairs, and jointly maintain a favorable external environment. President Xi also said China will import more high-quality Vietnamese products, strengthen its connection with Vietnam on industrial and supply chains, enhance connectivity, and expand its cooperation with Vietnam in emerging areas such as renewable energy and digital economy. Prime Minister Chen said Vietnam will work with China to maintain close, high-level exchanges, strengthen all-round cooperation in trade and economy, people-to-people exchanges, defense and security, and step-up coordination in the multilateral arena. 
In his meeting with Vuong Dinh Hue, chairman of the National Assembly of Vietnam, President Xi encouraged further legislative exchanges and cooperation to strengthen the relationship and support the development of governance systems in both countries. Hue enumerated democracy, rule of law, and anti-corruption. Building consensus across the sectors are key areas of their legislative exchange and cooperation. Also on Wednesday in Hanoi, Xi Jinping, General Secretary of the CPC Central Committee and Chinese President, and his wife Peng Liyuan, along with Wen Fuchan, General Secretary of the CPV Central Committee, and his wife Long Thiemann, jointly met with representatives of young people and friends from China and Vietnam. The meeting focused on the importance of China-Vietnam friendship and the pivotal role of youth in shaping the future. Xi Jinping outlined three aspirations for the youth: to inherit and strengthen China-Vietnam friendship, to participate in revitalizing the Asia-Pacific, and to be pioneers for human progress. Tron expressed his hope that the young people of both countries can carry forward the profound friendship established by the older generation of leaders of the two countries. The four then sat down for a few parting words before Xi Jinping concluded his two-day state visit. Chang lauded the visit as a successful one with profound significance. She spoke highly of the announcement on the building of a China-Vietnam community with a shared future, saying it'll be a new historical starting point for the relations. He also expressed gratitude for Chang's warmest hospitalities and vowed to maintain close communication with Chang in various and flexible ways. During the visit, China and Vietnam issued a joint statement on further elevating their comprehensive strategic cooperative partnership and building a China-Vietnam community with a shared future. The document details the measures both sides have agreed on to ramp up political trust, security cooperation, other economic and practical cooperation, multilateral coordination, and management of differences. In the evening, Xi Jinping returned to China after finishing the successful state visit to Vietnam. Zhang Dan, CGTN. China and Vietnam exchanged experiences during Xi Jinping's visit. The joint statement says the two sides briefed each other on the situation of their respective parties and countries. They also touched on their theories and practices of socialist construction. They are pleased with the great achievements made by each other in development, modernization, and construction of socialism. The two countries also look forward to deepening economic cooperation. They pledge joint efforts on the synergy of the Belt and Road Initiative and the two corridors and one economic circle strategy. They vow to strengthen investment cooperation in agriculture, infrastructure, energy, digital economy, and green development. Concrete measures are being to be taken to expand bilateral trade in a balanced and sustainable manner. The two countries will exchange enhanced exchanges and cooperation between their central banks and financial regulatory authorities. They also stress cooperation in agricultural technologies and agricultural policies for food security and green development. China and Vietnam are actively expanding their digital connections through the Digital Silk Road Initiative. This initiative aims to strengthen collaboration in areas such as fiber cables, data centers, and other telecommunication infrastructure. Key areas of cooperation include the development of undersea digital infrastructure like submarine cables and establishment of robust 5G networks. 
Additionally, both countries are intensifying efforts to facilitate smooth cross-border e-commerce. China's well-established logistics network plays a crucial role in supporting digital trade activities along the borders. Notably, Guangxi province has emerged as a pioneer in attracting e-commerce enterprises focused on online trade with Vietnam, particularly in certain border cities. And now for more discussions on President Xi's visit to Vietnam and bilateral economic ties, we now talk to Zhou Mi, the Senior Research Fellow of the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Zhou. So uh, how has the business community responded to President Xi's recent visit to Vietnam? I think that if you are looking at the response of the communities, they are very positive. I would say that they are not only trying to, you know, in such kind of uncertain world, but also trying to consider about the bilateral cooperation. How can both countries can improve the cooperation between us? I think that the leaders are sending very clear signal that both countries are trying to look at some of the challenges and we are working together to address the challenges. So they are really happy about what the outcome has come has become and the you know the elevation of the bilateral uh, relation between our two countries and on a broader note what is your assessment of the outcomes of president Xi's visit and how do you believe these outcomes will drive the development of economic cooperation between the two countries yes both countries are facing many challenges and also we have our advantages i would say that through this cooperation we have so many areas that we can explore by our cooperation including the digital economy the green economy and also something to do with the traditional ways about the cross-border the the supply chains and the industrial chains cooperation so actually for both countries they are we are trying not only look at the traditional ways of cooperation we are trying to see some of the new possibilities and trying to improve the infrastructure and together with some of the softwares and the soft environment to improve the, the mutual confidence that we can try to, to, to support the regional stabilities of the supply chains. And in the field of digital economy, what are the most notable outcomes that China and Vietnam have achieved through their cooperation? What are the prospects for further cooperation? Yeah, both countries are trying to work hard to establish a better mechanism for the data barrier like in China and also the data center in Vietnam. So I think that through the cooperation, we are trying to improve the infrastructure connectivities and not only to support the domestic development, but also to have uh, interconnected uh, the, the ways for development of the e-commerce. But on the second hand, I would say that uh, e-commerce are to, something to do with investment. So we are trying to provide a better environment, which is uh, a little bit more same in both countries to facilitate the cross-border e-commerce. Well, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate your insights. That was Zhou Mi, the Senior Research Fellow of the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation for us. And now we're heading for a short break. Still to come on Global Business. U.S. Federal Reserve maintains status quo on interest rates, signaling potential change in policy next year. The world economy as we know it is about to change. Global business reports highlight emerging markets, developing countries, and dynamic sectors worldwide. We feature top analysts and newsmakers to provide perspectives on every facet of business. From an on-the-ground perspective, we provide you with balanced and objective assessments. Fast, sharp, and insightful. Global business. Only on CGTN.
Welcome back. The U.S. Federal Reserve kept its key interest rate unchanged on Wednesday, but Chair Jerome Powell told reporters the Fed officials are likely done raising rates because of better inflation data. And Owen Fairclough reports from Washington. An end-of-year gift for U.S. consumers heading off for the holidays. The U.S. Central Bank holding its benchmark interest rate at the same level since July at up to 5.5%. That benchmark interest rate is the highest for nearly 20 years, but it's a sign that the Federal Reserve's inflation battle is largely over. Chair Jerome Powell began hiking that rate when inflation ran out of control after the worst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Raising that rate traditionally makes credit more expensive and is a way of driving down inflation. And at just over 3%, core inflation is now near the 2% target the Fed seeks for a stable economy. But the average 30-year U.S. mortgage is now at 7%. But consider that rent is 6.5% higher than a year ago, with transportation costs 10% higher. So the Fed is concerned about pockets of stubborn inflation in the economy, even if the cost of food and fuel have dropped substantially. Now economists are wondering if the Fed feels confident enough to cut that rate so that prospective homeowners currently priced out of the market have a shot at getting on the housing ladder. And although economic growth is slowing, both consumer spending and the labour markets are strong, if not quite flying. Owen Fairclough, CGTN, Washington. U.S. markets popped and the dollar took a dive on Thursday on the news of the Fed signaling a 22-year high interest rate is likely coming to an end next year. The tech-heavy Dow rallied more than 500 points, exceeding a previous record set in January 2022, and all three major indices hit fresh 52-week highs. In the meantime, the U.S. dollar index, which measures its value against the six major currencies, fell as far as 102.4, the lowest since mid-August. Contrary to how the financial market is responding positively to a likely interest rate cut by the Fed in the presidential election year of the 2024, U.S. workers and consumers aren't happy as prices are still too high for many. Our Ben Jahir has more. A December picket line in California. Teachers asking for better pay. This has become a familiar sight nationwide across various industries this past year as wages struggle to keep pace with inflation. Essentially the general salary increase, which is what we are given to keep up with inflation, was compounded since 2019 has been 7.1%. Inflation in this area is 22.5%. It means workers are being financially squeezed, and with the cost of food, transportation and energy going up, a bigger share of income is being spent on basic needs. The economy is improving. The Federal Reserve's aggressive monetary policy, hiking interest rates, is bringing inflation down. It's decreased nearly two-thirds from its peak. And the White House says that the last time unemployment was this low for this long, singer Diana Ross topped the charts and the Apollo program was visiting the moon. In New York, the mood this week on Wall Street is buoyant. The fact that GDP is strong, earnings is coming in reasonably well, oil is low and the CPI is under control. So I think at the moment, also considering the fact that December is great for seasonality for stocks, Things are decent. Except 
not everybody's feeling those gains. Yes, inflation is lower, yet prices aren't declining. Consumers are still paying more than before, albeit at a slower rate. We know the prices are still too high for too many things, that times are still too tough for too many families. But we made progress, but we have more work to do. Inflation remains a sore point for Biden's approval ratings ahead of next year's election. The less money in their pockets, the more people will pick it, the fewer are likely to be dancing to the president's tune come November. Benji Hyer, CGT in Washington. And have more insights on U.S. economy, I want to bring in Hong Hao, chief economist of Grow Investment Group. Great to see you again, Mr. Hong. So how will the Federal Reserve navigate the final stage of its fight against inflation, considering uh, its decision to keep the interest rate unchanged for the third consecutive time? Yes, yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, obviously, um, the Fed is working a very delicate balance. I mean, on one hand, the market is uh, front-running the Fed, you know, pricing in up to six times interest rate cuts uh, next year. But then I think, you know, Powell is fighting back, but is not able to manage the expectations. So as a result, you know, the, the market is up strongly and with a very strong momentum carrying into uh, the uh, Christmas season. Uh, so I think for now, uh, you know, if uh, the oil price remain under control uh, and also um, the U.S. Um, uh, food price doesn't increase substantially, then, you know, there are reasons to believe that, you know, in the coming months, uh, the CPI, especially the core CPI, will continue to trend down because uh, the, rent, uh, the rent costs uh, are coming down because of base effect. So I think more likely than not, you know, the Fed will start cutting interest rate in the first half of next year. Well, as the possibility of a rate cut in 2024 gains traction in the market, what effect will this have on various financial markets? Yeah, I think obviously uh, last night we've seen a very strong rally, a very positive response uh, from uh, from the U.S. market. I think today the Asian market sort of you know take over the baton and and carry on rallying. I think Hong Kong fear uh, uh, reasonably well today, and I think uh, China is still you know trying to digest a, a whole set of economic numbers and also important messages uh, from our economic work conference. So I think as a result, you know, the reaction in the uh, Chinese market is somewhat muted. Well, what implications will the uh, Federal Reserve's policy shift have on emerging markets, specifically on China? Yeah, I think historically, um, a Fed that is pausing and even lowering interest rate uh, will result uh, tend to result in a very weak uh, U.S. dollars. And because the the Chinese yuan's um, major uh, uh, dealing. Uh, opponent uh, is the U.S. dollars. Uh, so I think as a result, you know, the pressure on the Chinese yuan should alleviate, you know, because the interest rate differential between the two countries is starting to narrow. So I think as a result, you know, one of the negative uh, factors that have been uh, pressuring the Chinese market uh, will go away next year. So, you know, naturally you would uh, expect a stronger market uh, going up from here. Uh, so I think right now the market is not fully appreciating uh, these factors just yet. Uh, because you know the the market is still obsessed, uh, you know, with the uh, property sector and all that. But I think in general, a weaker U.S. dollars uh, is uh, positive for the emerging market, and China, being the largest component of the emerging market, uh, should fare very well next year.
So in light of all these positive signals, in your opinion, what are the key factors contributing to the resilience of the U.S. economy in 2023 despite uh, elevated interest rate levels? And what is the outlook for 2024? Yeah, I think the U.S. benefited from a very unique financial product they had in place, you know, which is a steady-year fixed-rate mortgage. So I think as a result, you know, even though the market mortgage rate has increased to up to 8% uh, of level, I think only less than 30% of uh, the U.S. households is paying uh, more than 6% mortgage. So I think the majority of the U.S. households uh, is enjoying a very low fixed-term mortgage. So I think as a result, you know, despite you know the Fed hiking interest rate, uh, the households is actually uh, enjoying uh, higher income, higher uh, interest rate income, you know, from many of the money market funds and deposit products that they have. So I think as a result, the spending power is up, and therefore consumption is very strong. But I think going into next year, though, you know, the the the, the positive trend that is uh, helping the U.S. economy can be stuck in reverse, right? So meaning, as interest rate coming down, you know, people will have less interest rate uh, income and also uh, unemployment tend to happen uh, you know at the peak when the economic cycle is looking like this right now so you know people were you know sort of linear extrapolating that uh, the u.s employment uh, situation will remain strong but i think his history has told us that you know as time uh, as we go further into the economic cycle unemployment uh, rate will start to pick up because people would be demanding more salary, more wages, you know, for their work. Well, thank you so much for your insights. We appreciated that. And that was Hong Hao, Chief Economist of the Grow Investment Group for us. And now we're heading for another short break. Still to come on the program. The COP28 Climate Conference concludes in Dubai, marking historic breakthroughs in global fight against climate change. Three hundred sixty degree profiles of industry movers and shakers, tech mavericks, and policymakers. We drill down on their success. We ask how they set strategy and how they navigate in an increasingly competitive market. Real talk, real business. Join the conversation. Biz talk. Only on CGTN. The COP28 climbing conference has wrapped up in Dubai. Over 200 countries approved the final declaration following heated negotiations that extended 24 hours beyond an initial deadline. Landmark deals of the two weeks are expected to pave the way for climate action finance and a long-delayed plan for energy transition from fossil fuels. Yasser Hakim reports from Dubai. I invite the CMA to adopt the draft decision entitled Outcome of the first global stock take contained in document FCCC slash PA slash CMA slash 2023 slash L.17. Hearing no objection, it is so decided. Jubilant scenes at the final session as a resolution was unanimously endorsed at the 11th hour. The critical fossil fuel phase-out issue had taken center stage throughout the conference. As the deadline approached, the first draft on Monday night caused quite a stir, after sensationally omitting that very issue from the final text. 
Dozens of countries described the omission as unacceptable, and demonstrations by activists at the site went up a couple of notches. But China was among the countries to intervene and help achieve the necessary breakthrough. A special envoy said the agreement was something the U.S. and China had been working towards in previous climate meetings. Here in Dubai, we have already fulfilled part of what we agreed in Sunnyland, which is working together to make a successful COP28. When negotiations were getting stuck, we worked together and provided joint proposals to unlock the deadlock and facilitated for the success of the COP. Chinese envoy Xi Xuanhua's American counterpart John Kerry highlighted the importance of cooperation with China at the climate conference. We both hope and, and uh, are pleased that we think our joint work not only advanced our respective national efforts, but also reflected at the COP in many ways throughout the creating of momentum and providing substantive ideas. According to the final document, the term phase out has been replaced with transitioning away from fossil fuels. And it was still accepted by nations that initially didn't want a change of language. Looking at the combined text with the references to science and the references to 1.5, it's actually stronger than what we've had before. It's stronger than was what, what was adopted in, in Glasgow, for instance. Amongst other clauses, the document for the first time puts emphasis on speeding up mitigation and adaptation finance, doubling energy efficiency and tripling renewable energy production levels. This has been welcomed by developing nations, including those in Africa. But I think most important for African countries is that we have finally won a global goal on adaptation, which has themes, it has, uh, measure, it's measurable and it's time-bound. And we are absolutely delighted that we have made this progress after years and years of struggle. The summit has been described by its president as an historic event, one of many firsts. But as delegates celebrate this milestone, many have warned that what's coming up is more important. For this conference here to be really successful, the pledges have to be implemented. Yes, Hakim, for CGTN at the COP28, Dubai United Arab Emirates. In an interview with CMG, Zhao Yiming, head of the Chinese delegation to COP28 and China's vice minister of ecology and environment, said that COP28 provided a general direction for the next phase of global climate action. The outcome of the conference is in line with China's concept of ecological civilization, which promotes green and low-carbon transformation. We believe that this conference has basically met the expectations as it has pointed out the direction for the next global climate governance process, especially in strengthening the global trend of green and low-carbon transition. This is a very important meeting. And that would do for this edition of Global Business on CGTN. Thanks for being with us.